Well, good morning again. Welcome to St. Paul's. We're so glad you're here, whether you're joining us online or in person, and especially if it's your first time. We're just delighted that you're here. Now, the American gangster John Gotti once said, if you think your boss is stupid, remember, you wouldn't have a job if he was any smarter. Whether you've got your first real job out of school or you're newly retired, we've all had bosses. And right now, at the beginning of another lockdown, work in all its manifestations is like right here for most of us. Whether we've lost our job due to the pandemic or your job is now teetering on the impossible because your kids are doing online learning or your business is booming because of the pandemic. Work is central to every single one of our lives. We're starting a new preaching series today called The Story of Everything. And we're gonna be tracking along, looking at 100 of the most important passages in the Bible, the record of how God has acted in history. Because the past behavior of God is the best indicator of God's future behavior. And whether you're new and asking questions or you're already a disciple of Jesus, how are we part of the story of everything? And what does that mean for our daily lives? And today, we're starting right at the beginning. Abodia read for us from the book of Genesis, seeing that at the foundation of the world was work. The jobs we have, the jobs we want to have, the jobs we used to have. Who wants to hear a sermon about work? That'll pack them in. But it's super relevant because the temperature on work continues to get turned up in our global city. Many people at St. Paul's are immigrants who came to Toronto for work. And even before the pandemic, because of email and social media, the healthy rhythms of work and rest were getting blown out of the water. And the repeated lockdowns of the past two years have now blurred the boundary between home and office. And so this opening section of the book of Genesis teaches us something incredibly relevant about the rhythms of a fulfilling life, of what work and rest actually means. It's practical dynamite for us. So let's get stuck in. Now, right off the bat, I want to address the issue of the historicity of this section of Genesis as the opening book of the Bible. The Bible itself is, uh, is actually like a library compiled of 66 books full of different types of literature, some biography, some history, some poetry, erotic and otherwise, uh, letters, and so on. And even within one book, like Genesis, you can have different types of writing. And these opening chapters of Genesis are not trying to present scientific truth. Rather, they're putting forward theological truth. Truth about who God is, why God created us, what the purpose of human life is. And the original Hebrew text here is actually poetry. While later on in Genesis, the writing style and the content clearly changes, putting forward a historical record. So these first 
foundational few chapters unpack aspects of human existence that have plagued us forever. Violence, jealousy, sex, purpose. And right here in this creation narrative, we see two things. One, since we're created in God's image, which is itself a mind-blowing concept, work is at the center of what it means to be human. And then two, the secret to working in a life-giving way is to enter into the deep rest that only God can give. So first, why is work foundational to actually being human? Genesis 2, 2 to 3. On the seventh day, God finished the work that God had done, and God rested on the seventh day from all the work that God had done. So God blessed the seventh day and hallowed it, because on it, God rested from all the work that God had done in creation. Now, we were told a few verses earlier that after God had created the skies and the seas, all the plant life and animals, that humanity was created in God's image, that we are like God in some fundamental ways. And one of the ways that we're like God is in needing to work because God works, which is actually a revolutionary concept. In ancient Eastern accounts of creation, such as the Enuma Elish, our youngest daughter studying Mesopotamia in her history class, which is why I'm suddenly aware of this Eastern creation myth, humans were created by the god Marduk to do the work needed on earth because the gods were wiped after all their battles and they didn't want to have to lift a finger again. And then in the West, the Greeks, well, they have the myth of Pandora's box. Pandora opens the box that Zeus gives her and out of it comes everything that's wrong with the world. Disease, death, decay, and work. So both in the Eastern and Western creation myths, work is bad. William Paley, an 18th century English theor, uh, thinker, popularized what's called the watchmaker theory, that the world is clearly designed like an in intricate watch, and that God must have been the watchmaker. A design implies a designer, sure. But then, Paley goes on to say that God built and wound up the watch, that was the work, but then the watch runs itself, and God is no longer active and working in the world. None of this is what the Bible teaches. In Genesis, we read of a God who works, and that what God accomplishes is actually good. It's very good. Top marks on the 360 evaluation, God. This is actually incredible. Right here in the Garden of Eden in paradise, alongside waterfalls, starlit skies, friendship, sexuality, food and drink, is work. And all kinds of work are undertaken by God here what's often considered menial work, manual labor and farming, right? God's got uh, dirt under his fingernails. Forming and strengthening relationships, raising children, therapists, lawyers, construction, growing society, 
engineering, finance, politics, you name it. It can be seen in this passage. And this is an incredibly high view of work. And we're going to be reading about the continual work of God in the world in our E100 reading challenge. Now, different cultures at different times have affirmed different types of work. And this has led to lots of violence, social unrest. Think, for example, uh, in China in the 1960s during the Cultural Revolution, teachers and intellectuals were murdered and laborers held up as the ideal. But now, in our late capitalist culture, if you're well-educated and you work in tech, you're highly rewarded versus working, for example, in a long-term care home. Yet here in Genesis, we're told that all work has dignity and purpose because God works. And we're made in God's image to work, which is why unemployment is so painful and dehumanizing. Why do we work? Because God does, and we're made in God's image. Not loving your current job? Different issue. We'll look at that in a minute. But don't doubt that your job, whatever it is, has dignity. It has worth. Now, I'm aware that I have absolutely the best job in the whole world. I literally get paid money to tell people about Jesus and the hope and meaning that Jesus brings. I mean, that's amazing. And I realize that many of you are struggling deeply in your jobs or the lack of them. So as not to come across as totally out of touch, how could your work be life-giving? How? Well, the key to life-giving work that Genesis gives us, it's not in salary, it's not in status, but it's rather in the rhythm of work and particularly rest. We're told that God rested from all the work that God had done. And by rest, I'm not talking here about just having paid sick days or time off each week, a Sabbath, although those are certainly needed. But there is a deeper understanding of rest here. In the second floor of the library of the Bible, the New Testament, the Old Testament's the first floor of the library, we have a letter to the Hebrews, and look at this. It's Hebrews chapter 4. This is what it says. So then, a Sabbath rest still remains for the people of God. For those who enter God's rest also cease from their labors as God did from his. Now, I don't think this is just talking about turning off your cell phone notifications one day a week. This is about something much deeper, resting from what has been called the work under the work. None of us are just working to put food on the table. We're working also to give ourselves meaning, identity, purpose. And the problem is, is that our jobs they can never really give us that. We need to rest in something much deeper. 
I spent a season of my childhood growing up in Pakistan. My parents were medical missionaries with the Church of England, and they worked in hospitals in the Himalaya mountains, sadly now all Taliban controlled. And knowing, of course, that with historical hindsight, all missionary endeavors were mixtures of the sacred and the profane, I've always been entranced with stories about missionaries. Here's one. Alan Gardner, in 1851, after many years of serving in Africa, was on his way to South America to start a new mission. And he was shipwrecked, this is a true story, on a very small island off of the coast of Chile. He and his four companions tried their very best to stay alive until somebody found them, but nobody did. Finally, he died. He was the last one. Far away from everybody, far away from his loved ones, dying of thirst, dying of hunger, all by himself on a tiny island. And that's a terrible way to go. And when his body was finally discovered years later by subsequent adventurers, they found next to his body his journal. They opened it and saw on the very last page that he had written out Psalm 34, verse 10. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Right underneath it, the last words that Alan Gardner penned were this, I am overwhelmed with a sense of the goodness of God. What? Like, how do you write that? Overwhelmed with a sense of the goodness of God? Wasn't he angry, exhausted, afraid? Despite all his work and his travels, he had rested in the one thing that could never be taken away from him, the work of God. The God of creation, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Deborah and Rahab, Lydia and Paul, who we're going to read about in the E100. Gardner had rested in the work that God had accomplished through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. What do I mean by that? Carl Truman, in his recent book, The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self, Good Christmas Present from Tim Anderson, writes about how one of the consequences of living in a secular age is that we are now forced to create meaning for ourselves from within our own psyches. And because there is no way to ultimately escape our tortured selves, our search for meaning and purpose is always going to be fraught. But God, God offers us something different. Jesus says, Come unto me, all ye who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. There can be rest from our relentless searching for meaning and approval for hope and purpose that our employment, while dignified by the work of God, can still not give us. We need to be overwhelmed by the goodness of God because God created us and said it was good. That's the approval that we seek. 
Because as Jesus died on the cross, he took all the consequences of our brokenness and sin so that we do not need to labor under guilt and anxiety. And because God raised Jesus from the dead, we know that nothing can ultimately defeat us. And we can have security and hope. The work under all our work, whether we're a baker or a banker, we can only find it in the work of God. Begun at creation, you heard about it today, and it's finished. Finished in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. This rest of God, resting in the work that God has done for us through Jesus, that is practical dynamite. Because it lets our work just be our work an outpouring of our skills and our talents to meet the needs of the world. All good and dignified by God. So our jobs don't need to be the places where we get our ultimate validation and hope. So we can work hard for the pleasure of using our skills, not to get a gold star from that not-so-smart boss. We won't be crushed in retirement, and we will still have a flicker of hope amidst unemployment because we know that we are created and adored by God. Start the E100 with the rest of the St. Paul's community tomorrow. You can download the reading sheet from our website. And as we immerse ourselves in how God has acted in history and can be counted on to act today and tomorrow, in your life and in mine. Together, at the beginning of this new year, in the midst of lockdown, the deep rest of God is still offered to us. Thanks be to God. Amen.